You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. What is up, Colts fans? Joe Hopkins here with a little bonus content for you. Indianapolis Colts General Manager Chris Ballard spoke with local media on Friday to discuss the upcoming draft. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and listen in on that conversation. Just a couple things I want to get out of the way before we start. So, prayers and condolences with everybody affected, you know, at the FedEx facility shooting that occurred last week. You know, our our prayers and condolences goes with all those affected. Um, you know, we actually have someone that we're close with in our building whose husband works there. Um, so it, it, it hit pretty close to home. Um, but, you know, our prayers are, are with them. Um, also wanted to, first time I've talked to you also, I wanted to acknowledge, um, acknowledge, you know, the shirt I have on here, the all juice team, which I think is, is um, Therese, you know, Therese Paler who passed away here. Um, I consider Perez a, a friend, you know, we go back to Kansas city when I first met for when I first met him. Um, and he was dedicated to his craft. He worked really hard at it. He worked really hard at the draft. He loved the draft. Um, and I would always talk to him about his all juice team. Um, he was always excited. He worked extremely hard at it. And I mean, we actually drafted in 2018, both Quentin and Braden were on the team. So I would always look um, to see who he had on it and kind of what, what his thoughts were. Um, he, was a, he was a special guy. Always enjoyed visiting with him. Always looked forward to him coming to training camp. Um, always enjoyed uh, just talking. He loved, he loved football. I mean, the guy loved football. He was all about ball and um, he studied the game hard. He was humble. Um, he, he was, you know, he was a journalist for the right reasons. Um, and I, and I'm sure gonna, I'm sure gonna miss those visits. I've, I've missed them here over the past few weeks when we would usually talk before the draft. Um, for those that don't know, I thought it'd be, you know, I thought, um, there's a, they set up a scholarship at Howard university, um, the Therese Paler scholarship, and you can get to it by going to giving.howard.edu black uh, backslash give now. Um, and I think it's important. Um, but this, this shirt, you know, kind of says it all and it, and look, it fits us effort, attitude, and performance, you know, it really fits us. Um, but he will, he will be, he will be missed. Um, and I've missed him here, you know, thinking about him here over the last few weeks. Um, as for the draft, we're grinding away. Um, and, it's a little unusual, not, not the same amount of information, but all 31 other teams are dealing with the same circumstances we're dealing with. Um, we've done a ton of work. We're still working um, like we do. Um, I'm, I mean, I, I know I say this every time I'm up here, but I am just honored and fortunate to work with a group of scouts that I do. Um, these guys are talented. They are really talented. I mean, it takes, I mean, I know everybody thinks it's, you know, what we do is, you know, you can just go evaluate talent, but it takes talent to evaluate these players. And we have just got a great group 
of scouts that work tirelessly work to dig out information on players and and get to the right answer. I mean, we talk about it all the time. It's not about who's right. It's about getting it right. And we all get pissed. I mean, we all have our pissy moments in there. Like I have a bunch of them. Um, but we challenge. Um, we watch the tape. And we continue to try to get the right answer. I think that's what makes the group really special. Um, and, you know, we battle it out until we come to a conclusion that we're comfortable with that the player fits not only what our coaches want to do, but also the culture that we have built here. Um, and it's a fun process to go through. It's hard. It's tedious. It's long. Um, it's exhausting. If y'all would have caught me yesterday, it wouldn't have been good because I was I was at my I'd hit a point where I was exhausted. Um, but just I can't say enough about these guys. Um, they're tremendous um, and they're tremendous at what they do. Um, also want to make sure I acknowledge Dave Hammer, all of our training staff, the work they've had to do on the medical um, has been has been enormous. Um, under under different circumstances, not having the combine, only being able to bring in, um, you know, the 144 players that was brought in to Indianapolis. So they've had to dig and do extra work to try to get the information. And a group that I never talk about, and I don't know why, but, you know, our doctors here are tremendous. They're, they're incredible. Um, you know, they run their own practices. And they also work for the Colts and the hours they put in is it's, 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 I mean, they go above and beyond. Um, I never mentioned Tom Clotwick very often, but, but he kind of heads our doctor group up and not only is he a, is a tremendous surgeon and orthopedic, um, he's a tremendous person. He's a great person. He's a good friend. Um, and we are we are lucky to have him here in Indianapolis, and we're lucky to have him working for the Colts. Um, so, saying that, um, fire away, fire away questions. I know you got them. All right, we'll start with Zach Kiefer. Hey, Zach. Hey, Chris. Thanks for your nice words on Therese. Um, he's an awesome dude. Yeah. Um, to shift gears, uh, when I look at your roster. The two biggest needs I see are, are left tackle and edge rush. Do you agree with that assessment? And where do you see the depth comparing with those two in terms of first round talent, left tackle, edge rush? How do you see those groups, those position groups in this draft? Yeah. Well, when you have a special player like Anthony Costanzo retire, let's just talk about the left tackle position because I, I don't think he's ever gotten enough credit for how really special he was as a player. Um, he stood for everything we stood, you know, everything we wanted to stand for, Anthony did, and he was good. Um, I, I mean, I always thought he was a top five left tackle in the league. Um, I think we paid him accordingly. Um, that, that told you what we thought of him, and he performed. Um, so that's not going to be an easy replacement. Um, saying that, I mean, I think I've told, you know, all along that I think we've got four really good linemen, you know, before free agency started. You know, we've signed a couple of veterans, um, you know, Tevi, who we 
who's started a lot of games for the Chargers. Uh, Julian's played, you know, in this league. Um, so we and we think they're good players. We will create competition at left tackle and we'll get the best five players on the field. Like that's the one thing about the offensive line that I think gets looked over sometimes. You know, it's not it, it's different from any other group because they got to play five as you know, they, they got to play as one five is one um, and they got to play together. And it's a unique group that we have. We're very fortunate um, with the guys that we have. They all love to play. They work. Um, they're unselfish. Uh, they, you know, they stand for everything we want to stand for. And, you know, adding into that group, we want to make sure we got good five good starting linemen. Um, plus, you know, a number of eight and nine, you know, you're going to have points in the season where the six, seven, eight, and nine are going to play. I mean, Lord knows we had it last year. Um, so they're all important. Um, and then in comparison to the draft, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good draft. I think it's, I think it's a, in terms of just all the offensive linemen as a whole, it's really good. Um, and then for defensive end, you know, look, I mean, you lose <clears throat> Danico Autry, you know, Justin Houston, you know, two good players, and Justin's still, you know, out there right now. Um, those are those are big shoes to fill. But we saying that we think we've got some young players. You know, Lewis, you know, I thought Taekwon after really came on last year and played good football, and we think he can play good football, um, you know, for us. Um, when you talk about Ture, that's – look, he's had some bad luck. Um, and I don't – you know, last year we didn't get to see Ture, you know, fully. He had another surgery after the season. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I, I blame myself um, for not just pausing and saying, okay, let's, let's make sure we get him healthy. He fought through. He played hurt. He was never quite right all – year um, we think we've got the problem fixed he's a good kid he's very talented um, let's see him come to fruition and and then this is a big year for Ben Banigou this is a big year for him he knows it um, you know it's time for him to step up and and he's got a lot of talent he's a good kid he works um, let's see what he can be um, you know then we brought back Muhammad um, we signed Rochelle from from the Chargers so We'll, we'll work through that, and we do think there's some good players in the draft, so we'll work through it. The one thing we won't do, um, we won't just force the issue, um, I, I, especially early in the draft. That's when you make your biggest mistakes, when you just force the issue. If, if it so happens, falls, and there's a player we like at either one of those positions, sure. I mean, I think you all know our philosophy on the front. Um, you need – Eight, you need eight to 10 offensive linemen, and we feel we need eight to 10 defensive linemen. Um, so we'll continue to add fuel to the fire, um, but we're not going to just force the issue. Mike Chappell. Hey, Mike. Chris, how you doing? With, with, I'm good. The, uh, do we overstate the importance of left tackle and, and pass rusher, or maybe how, how you should get them? It seems like ideally you need the long term answer, which you're always looking for, but. Are those as important as what everyone says it is? No, they're they're important. I mean, 
Um, both positions are important. But <clears throat> it's kind of like I told you all about the quarterback position. You know, just taking one to take one doesn't mean you've actually filled the need. you got to take one and fill it with a good player. Um, and that's got to that's gotta match up in the draft. So we'll see what happens. Um, at the end of the day, we're, we're going to line our board up and we're going to take who we think is the best player at that point for our team. Joel Erickson. Hey, Joel. Hey, Chris. Uh, thanks again for uh, mentioning Therese there. Yeah. Uh, Jim, uh, Jim Mercy said a couple of times he's mentioned corner as a need. Um, how do you see that position and, and how, how big is the need there? Um, I don't, I mean, look, you're always looking for, you know, corners. I mean, it's, you know, you want to have depth you have and, and, you know, we've, we've got good players. We got proven players there, you know, um, rock is rock is continuing to develop. Um, and look, I'll tell you this about rock. He missed a day. He'd been here every day. He not missed a day. So he's driven. Um, so I think you're all always looking for corners um, at every level of the draft. And I think it's been proven that you can take them at every level of the draft and find good ones. Um, so we'll continue to look. Jim Aiello. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jim. Curious about the, the draft board and you talk about the lack of information that, that you guys are operating with. Obviously every team is doing that, but does that, does that shrink the board and, and you guys put an emphasis on the guys, Hey, we know about these guys. These are, you know, these are the guys we like, or does the board kind of stay the same as it's been the last couple of years? It's, it's, it's around the same. Um, I'll tell you what makes, when I said lack of information, what, so when you have, you know, some teams that, you know, FCS schools who didn't play any football, you have North Dakota State who played one game of football. You have some guys who opt out, some guys who weren't gonna were gonna opt out, and and their league had a bunch of uncertainty. And then all of a sudden, all right, now we're playing football and we're back playing football. Uh, um, it's just we've had to do a lot of digging, you know, because a lot of times the growth, you know, you want to see a player progressed through his career and that's been a little more difficult to do this year because of all the uncertainty around what was going on you know in our you know around the world with with the virus um so it's just been a little more difficult because we've had to go back and dig i mean we're going back and watching 18 2018 2019 2020 tape on guys um trying to get them right um and so there's there's a little more uncertainty but you just keep watching and digging and projecting of what these players can be. And like, I, I almost like this narrative out there that there's not players in the, that that's an, that's an excuse that there's not enough players in the draft. That's, that's an excuse. We're, we're not, uh, there's plenty of good players in the draft. You just got to go look for them, get a little luck and, and, and try to get them team. There's, there's more than enough good players in this draft. George Bremer. Chris, thanks for your time. Uh, there's a lot. Of, it looks like there's a lot of linemen in this draft with good athletic scores. Uh, first of all, how important is that when you're evaluating offensive linemen? And secondly, what importance does that hold for them at the next level? Um, it is a good offensive line draft, really good. Maybe as good as I've seen in a while, just in terms of the depth of it. Um, and then, look, you want you – want, you want guys that are athletic, 
um, that have strength, um, that, you know, that can play on the offensive line. What we're asking and what teams are asking me to do um, with all the zone blocking and pools and, and in pass pro, and then, the, and then you're blocking these athletic freaks um, across from them. Um, they've got to have a certain amount of athleticism. So um, it's a good draft for the offensive line. Um, and there's depth throughout the draft, you know, at that position. Kevin Bowen. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Chris. Um, going back, I guess, to the early parts of free agency, the pass rush group seemed to have some younger guys there. Maybe it typically doesn't. Was your, I don't know, the fact that you guys didn't make a substantial move at that position, is that more indicative of what you think of Ture and Banigou or what you thought of the price tag for some of those guys? Well, I mean, we're at a – look, we haven't been at this point. There was – you know, we just haven't since we've been here where we have our own – I mean, kind of our philosophy is we want to be able to draft and develop and sign as many of our own guys – as we can. We think that's just how you build continuity um, and build something that lasts, that lasts over time. And, you know, you got to make choices. Um, and I think, you know, I think all of you understand my philosophy on free agency. I'm not against free agency. I mean, I think we've shown that we'll go out in free agency. Um, but saying that, I, I just think that the long-term health, both from a cap standpoint, from a culture standpoint, um, is to continue to grow and develop, I mean, draft and grow and develop your own guys. Um, and you have to make financial decisions um, that anytime you sign a big time free agent for a lot of money, there are, there are consequences down the road. Um, and that means you're willing to let other players go. And I just, I, I'm not there. I mean, I, I like what we have on our team. We've got work to do. I'm not sitting here saying we're some Super Bowl ready team. We've got work to do. And that work will not end when the draft is over. Um, we will still try to acquire the best players we can that can help us between now and into the season. So, uh, you know, I, I think I've, I've said this, that nauseam, that player acquisition is not, it's not just the free agency in the draft. There's other times that you can acquire players. Um, and we'll continue to, to go down that road and, and dig and try to find the right fits for us and fill every need we have. Mike Wells. Hey, hey Chris, how you doing? I'm good. Hey, um, I wanted to ask you, you've, all, you've been outspoken and saying how you love your draft picks. You love having picks. You know, if the draft were to start today, I know it's a week away, you know, less than a week away, you would only have six picks, which would be the lowest that you've had since becoming general manager. Do you, how much are you taking that consideration as far as when it comes to trading back and things like that? Um, well, I mean, look, the more, I think um, the more, I mean, I've, the more picks you have, the better chances you, you get to, you know, shots at the board. I mean, look, this is not an exact science and you need a little luck. I mean, let's, let's be real here. I mean, I, we're, I mean, I love, we're, I think we're pretty good at what we do, but there needs to be a little luck involved. Um, and the more picks you have, the more chances of luck um, are going to show up. So that's just a philosophy that we have in the draft. Now, if we're sitting there and there's a player that we really think is a difference maker, 
and he's going to really make a difference on a, on a, on our team. We'll take him or we'll trade up to get him. I mean, Jonathan Taylor was a difference maker, and we traded up to get Jonathan Taylor. Um, and But there's times that, you know, we just felt that whether it was the fit of the player, um, medical issues of why we traded back, um, but we just thought at the time, whoever was sitting there, we could move back and acquire two or three players versus the one player at the time. So um, I think you, I mean, look, I would love, Wells, I already volunteered you to come up here on draft day for the first round. If we could have one guy up and you could hang out, you could just hang out and see if we actually take somebody at 21 or if we move back, you're more than welcome. <laughs> Hey, and now I want to follow up and ask, you've talked about the depth on the offensive line. How do you guys evaluate if whether a guy who predominantly played right tackle in college is able to slide over and play left tackle? Yeah, it's a good, that's a really good question. Um, you know, he's got to have the athletic traits to do it. Um, that's one. I mean, look, I'm not going to, I think I've told you all this. I mean, Morocco and Jamie, you know, it's like with Braden, who's a really good player. Like I didn't, when we drafted Braden, I, there was not, it was the furthest thing from my mind that he was going to be our starting right tackle. Um, but I remember Morocco and Jamie both saying Morocco was like dead set. This guy can be a right tackle in the league. So we have those discussions. They have to have enough athletic ability. They have to have enough strength. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of confidence in our in our coaching staff what they can do. We got to get the player right and give them you know enough talent to work with. Um, uh, but you know, it's all it's all part of a projection. And I think you can look at. I mean, I, I think it was Will's last year that Cleveland took that. You know, he they kicked him over and and you know now he's a left tackle. Um, if they have enough athletic ability and instincts, um, they can you know they can make the move. Craig Doyle. Hey, Greg. Hi, Chris. Uh, thanks for this time here. Um, on your board, as you grade your prospects, how do you and your the prospects, how do you and your scouts view the depth near the top of this draft? In other words, first round talent. Is this a draft with you guys have 15 or 20 first round grades? You have 40, 45 first round grades? Where are you? Um, we're I'm not gonna give exact number here because I don't want Yeah, you are. I just asked. <laughs> You're gonna give it to me. I don't want to <clears throat> um we have got a, from an, a, from a difference maker standpoint, I don't have an exact number, but I think we were at five to six difference maker. Um, and then from a first round standpoint, we've got plenty of names that when somebody gets to 21, we'll feel good about picking them. Is that a good answer? I'd rather have the exact number, but I'll take I it. Thank you. I figured you would. <laughs> Stephen Holder. Thanks, Steven. Hey there, Chris. Um, I, I want to just circle back to, uh, to Ray and, and Lewis in particular, I guess Banigou too, but, but those two in particular, um, uh, Lewis and, and Ray. I mean, it, it occurred to me this week, like this is a contract year already for those guys. Um, is there still a lot more you need to learn and about them? Because you, you have to make decisions, right, moving forward. And then you know, can you, I guess, do they just, do they just need to play more for you to still learn more about them? And then as a, an addition to that, uh, is Teray going to be ready to go uh, with that second surgery? Yes. All right. So let's, 
let's hit on Lewis first. You know, we challenged Lewis last year. And Lewis, if you remember, had a good rookie season. He ended up starting. I mean, we played good defense and, you know, went to the playoffs. Weren't, weren't good enough yet to, to advance. Got beat by a great Kansas City team. But Lewis played good football for us. Um, you know, got a little nick, you know, that second year. And, and, you know, didn't play quite to where we thought his talent level was. We challenged him and he accepted it. And I thought last year he played really good. And, and, play, and ended up having to go inside and play in the three technique a bunch, um, you know, and both in spots. So we're, you know, we're excited about Taekwon. Taekwon's a good player. Um, you know, as for Ture, you know, at the end of the day, I think everybody sees, you know, Kamoko's talent. He's extremely talented. I mean, I, that first four, you know, first four or five, first four games, I think it was in 2019, he was really good. Um, and you know, then he got, I mean, he had a severe ankle injury. It wasn't, I mean, it was severe. Um, and you know, then he gets the surgery, uh, COVID hits. Um, so now the rehab process is set back a little bit and, you know, then he comes back and he's still hurting a little bit. I, 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 I blame myself for that because I should have just said, you know what, let's just make sure we get it right. But the kid you know, is fighting through, trying to do everything he can to play because he wants to play. Um, and then, you know, when the season's up, we end up having another surgery. And yes, it's been, this rehab is going a lot better. Um, circumstances have helped because he's able to come in and rehab every day. Um, but yeah, we think we think he'll be ready. And I want to say be cleared to go June, you know, by June. Bob Kravitz. Hey, Bob. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Good. Good. I wanted to ask you, uh, kind of follow up on Jim Aiello's question about the process and just how different this year has been uh, navigating the pandemic and trying to, you know, do your due diligence with the limitations that you have. Yeah, you know, our scouts have done a tremendous job. I mean, we've made a, we've made, you know, we've made a couple comments in there, all of us have, about you know, just not being able to see some of these guys practice. I mean, you know, that's a big part of the evaluation process. You know, go watch practice and, and you know, watch their tempo in practice, their, their urgency in practice, how they move, just not being able to do those things. That, that's, you know, that's affected, you know, some of the evaluation. Um, but we found ways to, you know, between the workout, um, you know, watching as much tape, I mean – I want to say they told me the other day that we'd put, I don't know, 1400 hours on, on, I think it was 1400 hours on our machine here in the last month and a half, two months. Um, so we're just trying to grind away as much tape as we can of whatever we have on the player. And then on the, on even in terms of the character and the medical we have just dig not being able to put your hands on them for the medicals. And that, that's an, that's an issue. Um, and it's, every team's dealing with it. We're all finding ways to make sure we get everything we need to make as accurate a decision as we can. Um, and then in the care on the character aspect, I mean, I, I, I think our scouts do a tremendous job digging um, and our coaches, our coaches, you know, they're, they're zooming and talking to these players and uh, using the time allotment that the league has allowed um, so we just got to find ways to to solve the problem and figure out the you know figure out the answers. 
Um, and every team's dealing with it. So there's no inequities here. Every team is dealing with this. I mean, God bless baseball. I don't know how they do it. Um, you know, not having, you know, some of the medical and, you know, some of the restrictions um, they have in, in major league baseball. I mean, what a, what a talented group of uh, evaluators they have to be able to do what they do. All right. We'll go three more. Chris Hagan. Hey Chris. hey, Chris. Good to see you. Oh. Hey, you talked about how it could get contentious sometimes in the room with your guys and your track record speaks for itself, but without naming names, are there some of those, I told you so guys, what you maybe had a chance to take somebody and, and you didn't, didn't pull the trigger. Um, of course, every once in a while, but not often, Chris. I mean, like, I think we all have an understanding that like when we come to a conclusion of this is what, this is the player and this is how we have him ranked and we're all on board. That's a, I mean, that's important. I mean, like, I don't want to, at the end of the day, I'm the one that picks the, you know, I pull the card. I, I, I deserve all the blame when, when we screw it up. Um, and so we don't get a lot of, I told you so moments. Um, and it's just not the, I don't tick that way. I don't, they don't tick that way. Uh, I, I don't, I don't live in that world. Now, have I ever looked back and said, that was stupid, Chris? Yeah, of course I have. Um, but you know, I'm human like everybody else, but uh, we don't, I, I don't, now we keep moving forward. Once, once we draft the player, he's ours and we're going to, we're going to bust our ass to do everything we can to make him successful. And you're not always right. And when you're not right, you, it's not always the player's fault. You know, I mean, we picked him. Um, we move on and, and, you know, hope to, you know, wish the best to him. And we, we continue to move forward. Awesome, Charlie thanks. Clifford. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Chris. Thanks for doing this. Last year at this time, we were all curious what Philip was like in and around the team, the, the initial reaction from your seat. What can you say about what you've seen from Carson so far? Good. That's a good question. I, let, let me say this about Philip Rivers. It will go down as one of the highlights of my careers, career to be a part and for one year with him. What a, what a special, special uh, man and player. Just unique. He's a Hall of Famer. Guy's a Hall of – I mean, just every day the focus and the – loving to play and having fun. Um, I told him, I mean, like he, he's, you know, he's coaching high school football now, um, which I bet you that's just fun, you know, to be a part of for those other coaches and kids. Um, but, you know, what a highlight. And, you know, and then when it comes to Carson, um, it's been good. I mean, he's comfortable in his own skin. Uh, they're different. You know, I, you know, their personalities are different, but he's got a great sense of humor. He doesn't tell, take himself too seriously. He's dialed in. Um, he works. I would, I'd probably compare him a little more to Andrew than I would um, Philip. but he's been great to be around. You know, I haven't been around him a lot because I'm locked in that draft room the whole time, but um, he's been great, great to be around. He's got a great family. He's got a great perspective on life. Um, he's going to be a good player for us. All right, last one, JJ. Hey, Chris, good to sort of hey, virtually. Yeah, good to meet you. 
Um, kind of following up on that question about Carson, when you look at the the structure that's around him with, you know, Frank having that existing relationship with Impress having that relationship, but, you know, Marcus and Scott having an existing relationship, how do you see that all helping him as he kind of gets acclimated here in Indianapolis? Well, I think with it, it's no different than with Philip. You know, when you have a familiarity with the offense and the coach who's coaching you, every day that's an that automatically is going to there's going to be a comfort level there so it's like last year when we didn't have any off-season program any of the off-season program Philip came in knew the offense um you know there wasn't a there wasn't a lag of 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 in terms of him playing and understanding what needed to be done um and it's and it's kind of the same way with Carson I mean he understands what Frank wants. He understands the offense. Um, you know, they have a very close relationship and, you know, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing for us. Certainly an interesting conversation with the GM there. Uh, Ballard, you know, was careful not to give too much away, but I think the fellas were able to squeeze some nuggets out of them. And our next show will be coming up on Wednesday when I am joined by Mike Chappell and, of course, Dave Griffiths. We're going to break down kind of our takeaways from what Ballard had to say. And it will be our final draft preview before the draft gets started on Thursday. So be sure to be on the lookout for that episode. And, of course, as always, if you're not already, please subscribe and download so that every episode goes directly to your listening device. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone as well for updates throughout the week on everything Indianapolis Colts. So I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, Colts fans, have a good one. <laughs>